fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. What is up, everybody? Welcome back into the Mass and All Access podcast by Blanco Paul Mancano. Hopefully, you're watching along once again on Mass and All Access Facebook, facebook.com slash Mass and All Access, or tuning in on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Paul, how's it going? I think we are getting better at this on-camera thing. <laughs> I think we are, Bobby. Yeah. That implies, though, that we were not great to start, but I think we started out on a high, and I think that's just, we're just Pushing through the Maybe ceiling. getting better was the wrong term. Getting more comfortable with Fair. each other. Um, we're, we're incredibly uncomfortable around each other, I would right. say. Yeah. Not, you know, we never make eye contact. Let's get away from you. Never, yeah. No. We're going to look uh, away into the camera lights. Um, just so you know, there is a restraining order, Bobby. So okay. It's a two-foot restraining okay. order. Okay. <laughs> wow. That does not bode well for our professional relationship. No, in terms but that we had to be in closed quarters. I've a, been asking lot. for months for a thick piece of glass between the two of us just so that I never have to actually make contact with It's you, like Bobby. the office am I being shunned? Yes. Like, yes. Shun, unshun. Yeah, that sounds good. Shun. You you Re-shun. have the ability to call recall moments from the office better than almost anyone I know. Well, I take that. Thank you. That's the that's literally the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Wow, is it really? Yeah, I think so. Except for you're so talented, <laughs> you're which so I said talented. on one intoxicated <laughs> night several years ago in uh, West Palm Beach. You're, you're so. Oh, talented. that night. Oh, uh, that night. Let, uh, they sing. What stays in West Palm happens in West Palm. That's right? that's that's the that's the phrase. That for is sure. most definitely the phrase. Um. All right, as we're communicating to you guys over the airwaves, the Nationals are still in. Um, draft mode. The third through tenth rounds are going on as we speak of this never-ending draft. Yeah, the third, major league third draft. through tenth, and then there's thirty more rounds <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. All in one day. All yeah. getting concluding on Wednesday, which is just ridiculous. Um, but Paul, let's get into it. The Nationals uh, have made their first round draft pick. They held the seventeenth overall pick. Um, before we get into the selection, let's just talk about how important this draft is for the Nationals yeah. and Mike Rizzo because you know you look you think about the Nationals draft history obviously you think about Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, um, Anthony Rendon some of their top first round picks but really since then there haven't been major impact players selected in the first round like those three guys um, and that's now spanning over seven going into the eighth draft now in 2019 I mean, the Nationals need to find a way to, I think, make these first-round picks stick. And I know the, the Major League Baseball draft is different than other sports because you're drafting guys so inexperienced and so young, and they need time to grow in terms of growing up. You, often you're drafting high schoolers, so, you know, they haven't even played college ball yet. They, you know, they, they can't even – they aren't even they legally just, adults Just yet. went to prom, right, a Right, exactly. Them. And so they need they obviously need a lot more time to grow in and get and gain some experience. But still, you would think that some of these guys would stick and be contributing on a day-to-day basis to the Major League Club. Yeah, and I think that this day kind of would pass by a lot of Nationals fans without them really kind of noticing. Yeah. <laughs> because, it, look, the draft is not, as you mentioned, Bobby, it's not it's not, the, it's not like the NFL draft. It's not like the NBA draft, obviously. You're not going to see these guys for several years. And a lot, most of them you don't see. Let's be honest. All the oh, There's a very small chance that you're going to see any of the guys drafted in any round after the 10th. 
Right. Tiny chance. I mean, they're, they're going to take like 40 players and we might see two or three of them. Right. Um, several years down the line. So like, I think, and especially because the Nats didn't have a high pick, they haven't had the first overall pick since they had Bryce Harper. They haven't had a top five pick in years. Anthony Rendon was the last high pick that they really had. Right. Which is also um, a good thing, meaning you're winning yes, games. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. But the, and by the same token, when you have a good team on the field, there's less attention paid paid to the draft. Right. Um, right. So I think that it might be a day that kind of a lot of fans might have woken up and saw and some, seen some headlines on Monday and be like, oh, yeah, it's the draft. Yeah. You know, I just totally forgot. Um, that's just kind of how it is for most good teams. And then they hear a name and they're like, oh, Cool. See you in two years. All right. And then just forget about him for years. Right. And like, you know, had, had never heard of him prior. But it is kind of a sneaky, important day. Yeah. Um, and you talked about how, how few impact players they have, have gotten past years. I think that's a little bit unfair right now just because they haven't. It, it takes so long for these guys to get here. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. Carter Keeboom is still one of the youngest players no youngest prospects that the Nationals have. He's 21 years old, mm-hmm. and he just made his major league debut. But he was drafted back in 2016, 16. so that's two, you know three years ago that he yeah. was taken. So like it takes so so long for these guys um, to to get up to a major league level. So you know I, the the guys from 2018 draft they're not going to be major leaguers. 2017 draft highly unlikely that they're going to be major leaguers. It takes these guys at least two to three years, at least two to three years to get up to the big leagues. Right, and, and the very rare instances are there um, guys who are selected in the first round, usually higher picks in the top yeah. five, top three, that make the jump to the major leagues within right. two years or yeah, so. Yeah, like, like Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg made the jump ridiculously quickly. Right. And that those were like almost unprecedented. Generational talents, yeah. you know, and those, are hap- those happen once every year. 10 draft, if that, you yeah. know, so that's totally understandable. Um, but I'm also just looking at, you know, if, if you're watching on facebook.com, you just saw the graphic of the Nationals late last f- four first round picks. Mm-hmm. And you go through that list, you mentioned Carter Keebum. Okay, he just made his his major league debut. He is one of the their top prospect right now. He's obviously has still his time to groom and he was brought up out of necessity. Then you look at Dane Dunning, who was also drafted in 2016, the next pick after uh, mm-hmm. Carter Keebum, who was included in that. Uh, traded the, the White Sox for Adam Eaton, along with Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Giolito, Which, another first-round pick. By the way, that that trade looked really good. Well, not really good. Looked pretty good at the beginning of this year, and that trade looks worse and worse by the day. I'm right. not going to lie. Well, you look, talk I think about it, Eaton's injuries, yeah. and then, well, Giolito really struggled last year, but now he's having a phenomenal Total year this year. Total yeah. Like, ERA less than half. I think we should take a podcast in the future to just break down that break trade. Break down that trade, yeah. And that would be a good... See where Giolito and Eaton stand at the All-Star break. True. Um, but then moving on to 2017, left-handed pitcher Seth Romero... It's no secret, his off-field issues, and, and, and the Nationals were aware of that coming into the draft that year and, and knew what he, like, yeah. many teams passed over him because... That's the reason that he slipped. Right, that, you know, he was supposed to be a top top selection talent, but people, teams passed over him because of his off-the-field issue, and then he comes into his first big league spring training, and he's sent home within, like, the first week. Um, and then now, then he has Tommy John at the end of uh, last season. And so he's shelved until 2020. And then you look at last year's first round pick. I don't even know if many Nationals fans will remember who this name, uh, Mason Denenberg. You know, who if you were to go to an average Nationals fan, would they even remember that? Like, you know, we... And we have very little on him in terms of stats because yeah. he hasn't even played professionally. He technically has not played professional baseball yet. Uh, injury concerns and also the way that the rookie level and short season 
leagues are seasons yeah. are constructed. Um, so you know, he, check he, out Madison. Uh, on MassinSports.com, Byron Kurz had, had a recent update on Denenberg, but they don't even know where he's going to start this season. It's weird. It's a weird situation. I, you know, we kind of had to look back, like most fans, and be like, oh, yeah, what, what happened to that guy? And we kind of lost touch in yeah. terms of, you know, he had shoulder issues, shoulder tendonitis from what we heard. Um, and the last update coming from Byron Kerr is that he is down in West Palm still trying to get back to 100%. But he told Byron back in March that he does feel 100%. So we don't know exactly even where he's going to end up. He's technically listed on the Gulf Coast roster, but that is not uh, confirmed, according to Byron, and we still don't know exactly where he's going to end up. So he's still 19, but yeah, you know, say, years 19 and years away right. from uh, from having any kind of impact. Obviously. And even in the higher levels of the minor league system. Yeah. yeah. So so it's just, this, this was an important, a lot of people were starting to point, you know, I think the success of the big league club over the past five years, you know, can, going back to 2014, 24, you know, division champions in 14, 16, and 17, yeah. kind of masked the need for getting impact players that could impact the major league club quickly. But now, without a division, without a playoff appearance last year, without, you know, they're in fourth place this year, at this point this year, going right. into the draft, it's like, okay, who was the last major impact player? I mean, Eric Fetty was a first-round pick. He's contributed, but I don't know how, how much of an impact he's had on the Major League Ball Club. Um, and again, the last one was probably Anthony Rendon. So it's you know, this was coming into this this draft was, was big, not just for the Nationals organization, but for Mike Rizzo as the general manager looking for talent. I think you're underselling a little bit how the past few first-round picks have done. Because first-round picks... This is this is the trade off that you have when you have a good team is you have a lower round pick and it's a more of a, a, a crapshoot, but they have gotten guys. I mean, they've gotten guys that have been up to the big leagues. Eric Fetty, I would say, if you already have a guy that this year he's doing pretty well, um, he's you know had a five ERA last year, but he's still pretty young. I would say right now that's a win. I mean, he's already made his major league debut and shown that he can be a good pitcher. Okay, um, so I would call that one a win, and that happened back in 2014. Remember, they took Nick Pavetta in the fourth round, so it's not just first round guys. Obviously, you know if they can if they can hit on some of the later round guys, that mitigates the need to really hit in the first round. They uh, took Mick, Nick Pavetta and ended up trading him in a in a trade that. Uh, I think it was a Jonathan Papelbon trade. Mm-hmm. So that trade didn't work out, but um, that's that's what this franchise has done. So they have, you know, for the first few years of Mike Rizzo's tenure, it was about drafting high and hitting on those picks. And then, pretty much since they started contending, it's been about turning those guys into prospects and then flipping them. And the other thing, so like you know, you, you got Pavetta that you flipped. Um, they took Giolito, by the way, back in 2012, which probably by his stats, at least this point, would probably be a win. Yeah. They obviously traded him for um, uh, for Adam Eaton, but, like, they, you know, the, the picks themselves haven't been bad. It's just that they've turned them into prospects and then flipped them quickly. So, like, I, I still don't think that... I think that the Nats not doing well in the first round is kind of overblown a little okay. bit. Yeah. And, and Carter Keeboom still has... He's still 21... If Carter Keeboom, yeah. if Carter Keeboom turns out to be a star, obviously struggled in that his changes first, whole narrative. That changes and that this changes whole the whole the whole discussion Absolutely. of the 2016 draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we don't well, have to or worry even about their it. recent drafts in right. history. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a little overblown. I I I, I'll, I would I would agree with that point. Again, my point is just right now, looking at coming into the 2019 draft, 
is just important. I mean, and they also, for the first time in a long in a while, the Nationals have some replenishing to do in their farm system yeah, in terms absolutely. of their, their pitching depth. And, you know, I, I, well, let's get into the guy they selected then. You know, right now, Jackson Rutledge out of uh, uh, Juco in Texas, big kid, right-handed pitcher. Um, he is Huge like... Huge kid. If you look, <laughs> yeah, he's 6'8", uh, he's, 250. He's taller than Zion Williamson. That's way, pretty big. Who will be taken first overall right. in two weeks. Um, and, you know, the, he is the prototypical pitcher that the Nationals covet. And you look at their draft history, he he lines up with, like, the G, the Giolitos. Uh, Seth Romero is a big kid, but, you know, um, just take his off-field issues aside. Uh, so this is the kind of guy that the Nationals have coveted all along. And the, the, at least the prototypical guy, he has a high fastball, has a put-away slider. He's developing a change. He's even used his slurve um, over the past couple of years uh, developing in Juco. So... You know, this is the type of pitcher that, and also the Nationals weren't expecting him to fall to 17. A lot right. of a lot of mock drafts had him going higher than 17, and so they were almost fortunate to have him. And this is the kind of pitcher that the Nationals have been looking for to need to kind of replenish their pitching depth on the farm. Well, I think they've, I think Mike Rizzo has shown the ability and the propensity to take big swings. Now that they are drafting lower than they were in his first few years, guys like Seth Romero that on paper, should be better, you know, should be taken, drafted higher. I think Rutledge kind of falls into that category, too. He pitched at Arkansas after, and just one year barely pitched before he transferred um, to San Jacinto College. And I I would say that because he has, you know, the, the report on him, obviously we're no scouts, but the report on him is that, you know, he could have some of the best stuff and maybe the best fastball in the draft. And yeah, but it's the, you know, the fact that he faced, lower competition than some of the other guys the fact that he transferred schools the fact that he hasn't shown you know the ability to use his great stuff yet I would describe this as another big swing you know they they are they're not going to hit on all these guys um you know Seth Romero so far hasn't been a hit but they're taking bigger swings because they realize that you know they're they're not going to necessarily go with a safer quote-unquote prospect um they're going to try to get somebody who they think you know maybe as a uh, you know, some other issues that are keeping him, that let him fall to them, but they're taking bigger swings in the hope that it pays off. Right, and and they again, they like his stuff. They think he has potential to have major league uh, stuff that could play uh, as, a, as a two or three starter guy yeah. in, in, in the rotation. Um, and that's also looking down the road. I mean, you and I have talked about contract statuses for Steven Strasburg. Uh, Max Scherzer's on the back end of his contract. They just re-signed Pat, They just signed Patrick Corbin. So who knows where this rotation is going to look like in three-plus years. Right. And this is a guy that could hopefully, ideally, will kind of work his way up into a role along those lines, um, something that obviously – Giolito didn't pan out to become. They 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 didn't. They found something in him early on in his development that they didn't like and, and thought he was worthy of a trade. Right. Um. And so yeah, it's it's kind of a a, a risk. And and I think especially in baseball, in the baseball draft, whenever you take and in all sports really, but whenever you take a guy not in a power conference and, and playing baseball, it's it's going to be tough because the, the level of competition is such yeah. a drop off, especially a guy who should be playing. At a major at a major conference team, you know, played at Arkansas, had committed to Kentucky to to, to pitch, but now he's been playing uh, pitching in JUCO for the past couple of years in Texas yeah. or past season. So it's you know he has the talent to play higher, he just didn't. So is that why he stood out? Right. Um. It, yeah, you're right. It's always going to be a leap of faith and, and risk, but the talent 
and the scouting has been there. And since he fell, if they were on his radar, you, you got to take him. Well, and the other thing is, you mentioned Patrick Corbin. The other th- reason that they, I think, they have to take bigger swings, and the reason that we haven't seen quite as many impact guys is the Nationals haven't had many picks because they've been su- aggressively signing guys That's in free true. agency. Yeah. So you look at they lost Bryce Harper, which should have netted them a compensatory pick. But the fact that they signed Patrick Corbin for a hundred plus million dollar deal means that they lost that pick. They forfeited their second and fifth highest picks in this draft because of that deal. So that it's, you take, you know, that that is the kind of thing that you, you take when you <laughs> draft somebody high. So that's that's the reason that Dallas Keuchel is going to be signed in the next day or so, and not, you know, months ago, is because it came with draft pick compensation. Mike Rizzo doesn't care too much about that, and that's yeah. the reason that you know he let uh, that he immediately aggressively went out and signed Patrick Corbin because he doesn't care as much about holding on to those picks, and then he's going to use the picks that he does have on bigger swings because that you know it's it's just that's the kind of game that they're playing, so they have to they have to think about that. Well, if that's the game they're playing. Then, then that puts way more stock into this first pick then. You know, that's it, fine if you want right. to trust free agency and, and go out and sign established, proven veterans and, and all-stars. That's great. But like you said, you're going to risk losing these picks. Yeah. So that puts a bigger emphasis on the importance of your sure. first-round pick and how those have to pan. Not yeah. have to, but there's a bigger need for them to pan out eventually down the line than yeah. maybe not because, oh, that's okay. We have compensatory picks here. We have second-rounders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We can... Uh, Hope those pan out. No, no, no. If you're if you're gonna risk losing these picks because you're gonna go sign out veter- um, veterans, yeah, then you have to make sure that you hit at least one out of every, you know every other one, yeah, in, in your first in the first round. Well, and the other thing that Mike Rizzo, I will say though, has done to mitigate the need to draft well is the fact that they have done a, a good job in the international market and signing guys. Yeah. Obviously, with Juan Soto and Victor Robles being the top two guys. And we know that. That's that. been a top priority for yeah. them, too. Some and Luis Garcia like to do. Mm-hmm. is a top guy um, as well that they signed. So, you know, they have mitigated that that need a little bit. Um, but I to go back to your point, Bobby, about like what the rotation could look like and the need to bolster that system, you look several years down the line, um, and I think you could the Nats rotation is a huge question mark. Yeah. Huge. Because you talk about, Steve, uh, you know, Steven Strasburg having an option after this year, an option after next year. You talk about Max Scherzer getting older. He's still been awesome. We know that. But, you know, how is he going to be in two, three years when he's 36, 37 years old? Um, and then, obviously, Anibal Sanchez is not going to be a long-term piece. Jeremy Hellickson is probably not going to be a long-term piece. And what do you have in Eric Fetty? So you have Patrick Corbin and you have Max Scherzer. You might have Steven Strasburg, but then what do you have after that? Right. So, um, and then you look at their top prospects, they're almost all hitters. The, the top pitching prospect coming into this year for the Nationals was Will Crow, who has not yet gotten out of double-A. And he, you know, he looks like he could be a solid guy, but he's 24 years old now and has not gotten out of double-A. Um, so they just need to add guys to their system. And obviously, and Denneberg came in, I mean, that shows you how depleted their farm system in general, but also their pitching, you know, their arms. Denneberg came in, hasn't yet played a game, and he came in as the number four prospect mm-hmm. in their system. So, like, they, you know, that that gave him a jump. So, as we, as this, the, all of this draft talk ties into the big league club because 
We spent the last, you know, two podcasts ago, we talked about who they could potentially trade. We're going to talk about the success that they've had on the field the past couple weeks. They've won seven of their last nine. But the minor league system, the draft, all of it affects the big leagues and vice versa. Because if they are still under five games or whatever, under 500 in a few weeks and uh, close to the trade deadline, they then also have to look at their minor league system and say, do we even have pitchers that can we think can start for us in two, three years? Yeah. Do we need to go out and trade some of our established guys for these pitchers? So it all ties into each other. So that's, you know, people might overlook the draft, and I understand why, but it all – it all comes together. Well, yeah, and that, and then plus all the international signing bonus, like you mentioned, it's again. This goes back to the whole point of our conversation. It's, it's this is a big day yeah. for Mike Rizzo and company, and and how the you know take away what the the big league club is doing right now. That's not a concern right now for Mike Rizzo, obviously. But like you said, if the big league club doesn't men- doesn't pan out this season, then he needs to have solid picks from this draft right. and waiting because then you're going to thinking about, all right, well, we're going to have to sell in July. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, who do we draft this year? All right, we got us, we got our starter hopefully for the future who can be a piece in the rotation. We drafted this, this player, this player, blah, 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 blah. What players do we need to go look at when making these yeah. trades to, in order to bring into our system to replenish because, and then that, then you're kind of doing like what other teams, like rebuilding teams are doing. Like, all right, you got to think two or three years down the line. Yeah. Who can we bank on or is going to pan out and, and, and work their way up to the major league club and, and play? And where can we f- figure out other pieces? Well, and that's why this year is so important. It's, it wasn't just important for them to do well and make the playoffs this year. They need to go far because this is the team. This is the team that they have. And yeah. they're not. it's not like the Braves where it's like, we, we want to really go far, but also we have a stacked farm system. We have so many arms waiting for us. So if it's not this year, it could be next year, it could be the year after that, it could be three years down the yeah. line. Because we have a backup plan. The Nats right now with their farm system don't have a backup plan. Yeah. This is it. This is the team. They still have Victor Robles and Juan Soto who are still going to get older and better and they're still very young. And obviously Carter Keboom in the, in the, waiting in the wings. But this is the year. So like if you don't, if they're still a, even just a 500 team, then you, I still think you got to consider selling, yeah. Because you have to, because then you know next year, how how do you improve next year? It's so hard to improve your farm system overnight, if unless you make big changes and big trades, yeah. So, and, and what are you going to do? Go out and go, get back into the luxury tax and just spend on more veterans? You got to get younger, and um, if this team of veterans isn't good enough then you have to focus on the farm system and rebuild younger guys around those veterans. And then they have to like take lessons from last year and how they approach Bryce Harper and apply that to Anthony, Anthony Rendon. Rendon. Well, that's the that's the biggest question. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, if you're going to take that approach and start replenishing, then Anthony Rendon's your biggest ship right now. And maybe next to Sean Doolittle. You know, yeah. that's how you're going to go get prospects back and top prospects. And then at that point, if that's what you decide to do, Hey, we have no shot of making the playoffs. We have no shot of re-signing Anthony Rendon this offseason. Let's decide one to sell and two shop Anthony right. Rendon big time, get a big return from him. And then at that point, do you consider, you know, August and September? I mean, I know the players never want to tank, but like, do you consider like trying to aim for a higher draft pick in 2020? Right. Do you do you just second Be- half? Because you yeah. can't like 
I mean, they got, I mean, by all accounts, obviously we have no idea how Rutledge is going to turn out, but by all accounts, they got lucky he fell to them at 17, yeah. right? He's a, according to our own Brendan Mortensen and, and, and the research he done, he was a top 12, top 10 pitching prospect that fell to 17. You can't bank on that every year. So do you try to squeeze your way into the top 15, top, yeah. maybe top 10 in the draft next year, and then try to like, then then right. you can have a better shot of just really nailing that pick yeah. and getting a prospect for the future. And I'm sure Nats fans are kind of frustrated. That's really this. frustrating to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them. I mean, that's yeah. frustrating to hear, especially considering the expectations yeah. coming into last year and this year. And but it just hasn't panned out. Yeah, and I and I get it right also because it's like the first week of June and they have won seven of and, the last right, nine. That's it. I mean, yeah. But we were just talking to Mark Zuckerman last week, and he he said, you know, it was at that point where the Nats had just won five of the last six, and he said they would still need to win five of their next six and then five of their next six after that in order to be 500. Yeah. So like they, they, you know, I, I, there is still a lot of time for these decisions to be made and I get that. But if you don't think that Mike Rizzo is talking, having these conversations now, then, you know, it, it is his job to, to look this far down the line and you have to, you have to have a long view when it comes to this stuff. So um, that's the reason we're discussing this now. We're, we're you know, the day-to-day stuff, it's, you can kind of, and we still try to and get, you know, not caught up in, but talk about, you know, what are their, cha- you know, just go out and win every day. And the player's job and, and the manager's job is just to win every single day. But you have to have the long franchise view whenever you look at this stuff. I mean, we could have sat here and talked about Max Scherzer's 15 strikeout performance on right. Sunday for 20 minutes, however long this podcast is. But instead, you know, that performance while fantastic by itself means nothing if this team finishes in fourth place and has to sell in July. Right. I you're mean, exactly it's, it's right. like awesome. Congratulations. You're still not making the playoffs. And what's, that's, what's the point? That's the other frustrating thing with this team. And I know that's partly why Nats fans are so frustrated is because last year they wasted so many great individual performances. Yeah. They wasted one of the best seasons ever by a teenager, maybe the best season ever by a teenager in Juan Soto. It's 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 wasted. Yeah, it, it's an incredible stat to have, and it it will go down in history as that. But it'll also go down as well. They didn't make the playoffs that year. Yeah. It'll go down as as one of Max Scherzer's best years. Year he didn't win the Cy Young, but to put up career highs and put up three hundred strikeouts. Yeah, they wasted the season. C- couldn't even get to the playoffs. Yeah, um, that it, that is so frustrating, and that's becoming a reoccurring theme because you think back to twenty fifteen. They wasted an MVP year in Bryce Harper, yeah. and then Max Scherzer's first year in DC, where he had two uh, no hitters. Awesome. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just become and it's frustrating. Yeah, and, and and you know if you tune into Mass and Nationals, or even our Mass and Orioles, I should say, uh, uh, Facebook all access show about yeah. the first round pick. We had that countdown on the background for right. you, counting down the first. We I feel like we need that for the Nationals and just counting down to. These decisions, because yeah. every single, it feels like every week, Paul, we, when we get on the mic and start talking, we're talking about the long-term decisions for this team and how we're getting closer and closer to the point that they need to yeah. start nailing them down and be like, all right, this is it. Yeah. We have to, we have to make a call. And look, if it, the way that things are going to, they could have three starting pitchers in the All-Star game, one, two, and three. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. You're getting a career year from Steven Strasburg a pretty much career year from Patrick Corbin and a great year, another great year for Max Scherzer. They could have three guys in the All-Star game and they're how many games below 500? They're yeah. six and a half games out of first place. Mm-hmm. That is so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. They have to maximize. When you have great performances and th- from this, you have to get, it's 
The fact that the Nationals are so top-heavy is the fact, you know, it shows up in the record. And that is so frustrating as a fan because yeah. you, are, you are seeing individual greatness on an almost nightly basis from a lot of these starting pitchers. You're seeing Anthony Rendon at, still continue to be one of the best hitters and all-around players in baseball. You still get to see Juan Soto be one of the best young players in baseball, and they're not doing anything with it. Yeah, yeah. and entering this homestand, uh, they've got an interleague series against the White Sox. The Nationals stand seven games under 500 as the White Sox or only two or one a game under 500. Yeah, they've they've got a string of opponents over the next few weeks that yeah. are right around 500. Yeah. And so that, again, like we you said when we talked to Mark Zuckerman a week a week about a week ago that yeah, that's great that they won 5 of 6, but they need to do it again and, and again. again. Yep. And again. <laughs> and like it, it has to it yeah. can't just be like and we've seen this from this team all season long. It's just like a week to week thing. It's like they have one great week, but then they have Two bad weeks. Yeah. One great week, one meteoric. Like, you know, you, you need to start stringing them together. And like, all right, is this, that, that was Mark's question. Like, okay, is this the start of like a run or is yeah. this just a blip, another blip and they're going to fade back yeah. into what they have been for the most part of the season? And there were no, there are no Pyrrhic victories from now on. Yeah. You know, no. as, as last year when they were around 500, you looked for kind of silver linings, uh, even in their losses, because they were just a right around 500. And it was like, okay, well, at least the offense was back. You know, maybe they can get back on track. This is the team that we thought we were going to see. From now on, even if the offense has a great game and the pitching blows it, it's a loss. Yeah, yeah. it's a loss. You don't, you can't afford them. L's count the same as. Yep. L's. Also, I'm sure it's a homestand. They come back for two games against the White Sox and they hit weird. the road. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's um, weird scheduling. And uh, so the these next four series, I would say, um, you know, every series is critical, but they're facing four teams that are. Almost exactly 500. The White Sox, which are game under 500. The Padres, which are two games over. The White Sox are uh, again, and then the Diamondbacks, who are one game under 500. They've got a real opportunity. They've gone from 10 games back of the Phillies to six and a half back, which yeah. is they caught a break. That's, that's, you know, and look, we said the Phillies were the worst division leader, and they've continued to show that. They have lost four in a row. Uh, they've got hammered by the Padres last night. Manny Machado hit a grand slam against them. They are really showing the fact that they are, uh, uh, you know, they're not ready to be the best team in the NL. The Nats have a golden opportunity in front of them, and they just have to take it. And and the Phillies also are now having suffering even more injuries. Andrew McCutcheon has gone yeah. down with a uh, the knee sprain that he's going under MRI. It could yeah. be more serious than just that. He tweeted, "Pray for me." That's right, never which is a good sign. never a good sign. It's kind of haunting yeah, like, yeah it's like what <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's t- they have 12 games those those four points the, actually it's three because they played the white Sox twice right um over the next week and a half before they get right back into division play they host the phillies and the braves at nats park and then they, they play the marlins yeah out of those 12 games i mean again like you said they have to be series wins i mean and two of them te- okay so you have two technically two game series against the white Sox. so Let's just call that a one big four game series, a home and a home. Sure. So I mean, you need to like win three out of four there. You need to. I know going to San Diego is tough, and and Manny Machado is having a solid season, but you need to split if not win three out of four there. You come back home, yeah. play the Diamondbacks, another sub five hundred team. You need to win three out of four yeah. there. Then you start stringing these together. That way, you're riding some momentum when the Phillies come back to town and and the Braves. Exactly. Um, Big, 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 big series huge, is coming up. Huge, Bobby, where can we find you on Twitter? Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul, where can the good people find you? Every time. Every time I tell you, and you'd never remember. It's at Paul Mancotti. I do it, it for it, them. It, 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 it is just my first and last name. Yeah. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. 
And of course, watch the video. Mass and All Access Facebook. Yes. Spacebook.com slash Mass and All Access. Nationals start a two-game series at home tonight against the White Sox, 7 p.m., 6.30. Mass and uh, for Nats Extra, join Dan and Bo. For Paul, I'm Bobby. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>